to your Catholic drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It's good to be on with you. Census Fidelium, the YouTube channel. I'm sure many of you have listened to many homilies, incredible homilies on that YouTube channel. I know I have for many years, back before it was even Census Fidelium. It was called something else, which I can't remember. But either way, YouTube deleted the channel this week. Uh, The good news is, praise be to God, it was restored last night. And we're going to have Steve Cunningham, who is uh, the, the man behind Census Fidelium's YouTube channel on at 6.15 or 15 past the hour this hour to discuss uh, what happened, why did they delete the channel, how did it get restored, and are they at risk of being deleted again in the future? Is it possible that the day will come when there will be no voices left on YouTube that speak out in clear contrast to the errors of our time? That conversation is coming up at 15 past. Also on the program, Dr. Paul Kengor is coming back at 35 past to discuss the life and legacy of Colin Powell, who died yesterday from complications due to COVID. Um, A man of great uh, complexity, I would argue. In fact, I was blown away by how much uh, vitriol there was against Colin Powell on Twitter yesterday. I mean, the the hashtag war criminal was trending in relation to Colin Powell. Let that set in. So a man of great complexity, and we're going to talk about that with Dr. Paul Kengor, professor of poli sci at uh, Grove City College. Also the guy we had great conversations with about uh, uh, Karl Marx a couple of months back. So going to be a jam-packed show today. Do us a favor, tune in for the whole hour, this hour, and next if you can, uh, and then tell a friend. That'd be amazing. Speaking of complex, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Praise be to God. Do you do you uh, remember Colin Powell much? Uh, who? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, who Colin he is. Powell. Everybody was talking about this guy Colin Powell who died, and I'm like, um, well, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> that's terrible. I guess it's an old guy died, had cancer. I guess that's that's sad. Wow. But. I have no idea who he is. Have you no clue. have you heard of the virtue of charity? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm just. Well, I mean, you should he, look that up. I wonder if hey, Com- subsidiarity. Aquinas might have said something about charity. Principle of subsidiarity. Well, I was referring to old people, but okay. No, I care about old people. Mm-hmm. I care about my grandfather. I can, t- I can tell. How's your grandfather doing, by the way? Uh, he's good. He's good. Yeah. He said thank you for all the prayers. Praise so, be to praise God. Praise be to God. So yeah, you know, subsidiarity. Can't care about uh, everybody, but you can mm-hmm. care about the ones closest to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's. That definitely sounds like charity in my book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have a great show nonetheless. Uh, either way, in spite of it all, it is good to be here. Praise be to God. We have, uh, uh, like I said, a great hour lined up for you this hour. Don't forget, next hour, if you can join us, and by the way, we stream live on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, we are going to have a great game show, Fear and Trembling. We'll also have some good news uh, next hour. So it's all upbeat. And then we have an after show where we discuss whatever is on your heart, your mind, whatever your thoughts are by you commenting on one of the live video feeds. Uh, we have a great conversation. So we're looking forward to that all coming up next hour. But we're going to begin with prayer. And of course, we're going to pray for the repose of the souls that face eternity because 
We're all going to be facing eternity. So let's live our lives as though we're going to face eternity. Let's also pray for the repose of those souls that are facing it right now. And then, of course, let's pray for the conversion of all sinners everywhere. Let's pray for a restoration uh, and fidelity to Holy Mother Church in her teaching, her patrimony, her mission to save souls on planet Earth. And uh, I pray especially for the hierarchy of the church to maintain that mission. So all of that is in our prayers, plus your intentions, dear listener, whatever is on your heart as well. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now, your headlines. Breitbart reports Italian police use water cannon on port protesters. Police in Italy used water cannon and tear gas against protesters at the northeastern port of Trieste on Monday following a three-day demonstration against a new mandatory workplace COVID pass. Dozens of police in riot gear faced off against hundreds of remaining demonstrators and port workers who began blocking one of the port entrances Friday to protest the introduction of the Green Pass. Police managed to clear the entrance after a few hours of standoff, pushing demonstrators to a nearby parking lot from which they marched toward the city center. Italian news agency AGI reported that by Friday afternoon, more than a thousand protesters were participating in sit-ins in Trieste's main plaza. The Green Pass, which offers proof of vaccination, recent recovery from COVID-19, or a negative test, became mandatory in all workplaces on Friday throughout Italy. The Epic Times reports the U.S. is set to pay $712 per patient for Merck's COVID-19 pill. Merck & Company is set to receive $712 per treatment course for its COVID-19 antiviral pill from the U.S. government, even though its cost to manufacture is a fraction of that amount, reportedly, and it's also on track to uh, cost only $12 in India. Merck filed for emergency use authorization from Food and Drug Administration for the oral drug last week after it said an interim analysis of trial data showed it cut hospitalizations of COVID-19 patients. An FDA advisory panel will consider the drug in November. Researchers this month pegged the cost of production for the five-day treatment course at only $17.74 and estimated that Merck could also make a sustainable amount if it priced the course as low as 19.99. However, the US government committed last year to obtain 1.2 billion dollar 1.2 billion treatment courses if the drug re- received regulatory clearance. And according to a contract obtained by the Knowledge Ecology International, the cost of each treatment will cost American taxpayers $712 per patient. 
The Boston Herald reports Kyle Schwarber's grand slam, Eduardo Rodriguez's huge start, led Red Sox to ALCS Game 3 victory over the Astros. It was kind of a big night, but in ALC history, the series has been tied 24 times. The winner of Game 3 has gone on to the World Series in 18 of the previous 23. That's 78% of the occasions. The Red Sox made more history with Schwarber's grand slam after becoming the first team in post season history to hit two Grand Slams in one game. The Red Sox are now the first team ever to hit three Grand Slams in one playoff series. NCR reports Senate committee proposes rollback of pro-life policies. As part of the appropriations process for the 2022 fiscal year, the Senate Appropriations Committee on Monday released bills allocating funding to various federal agencies and programs. The proposals exclude or permanently repeal several pro-life policies, including the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits federal funding of abortions in Medicaid. And Senator Joe Manchin, seen as the key swing vote in the chamber, stated on Monday that he would not support relevant appropriations bills unless the Hyde Amendment was included. According to Appropriations Committee Vice Chairman Senator Richard Shelby from Alabama, the bills released on Monday targeted other pro-life policies as well. The Appropriations Bill for the Senate Department and Foreign Operations permanently repeals the Mexico City policy, which bars funding of international pro-abortion groups. The Health and Human Services Appropriation Bill also requires that facilities receiving Title X fund, a family planning funding provide abortion drugs, abortion counseling, and abortion referrals. And recently, the Biden administration updated the requirements of the Title X program to allow recipients to provide abortion referrals. But the administration does not require facilities to provide them. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is St. Peter of Alcantara. He was born in Alcantara, Spain in 1499. Peter, while still a youth, he left his home in Alcantara, Spain and entered a convent of the scaled Franciscans. He rose quickly to a high post in the order, but his thirst for penance was unappeased. And in 1539, being then 40 years old, he founded the first convent of the strict observance. Almost every religious order has done this throughout their time as uh, the life of an order. The cells of the friars reassembled graves rather than dwelling place. That of St. Peter himself was four feet and a half in length, so he could never lie down. He ate but once in three days, and his sackcloth habit and cloak were his only garments, and he never covered his head or his feet. In the bitter winter, he would open the door and the windows of his cell so that by closing them again, he might experience some kind of sensation of warmth. Amongst those whom he trained to perfection was St. Teresa. He read her soul and approved of her spirit of prayer and strengthened her to carry out her reforms. St. Peter died with great joy kneeling in prayer. When he was offered water, he refused it, saying, even my Lord Jesus Christ thirsted on the cross. He died on October 18, 1562, at the age of 63. He was canonized, he was beatified by Pope Gregory XV on April 18, 1622, and was subsequently canonized by Pope Clement IX on April 28, 1669. St. Peter of Alcantara 
pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 38. Jesus said to his disciples, Gird your loins and light your lamps, and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen. I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, the applicant said, Our Lord, having taught his disciples moderation, taking from them all care and conceit of this life, now leads them on to serve and obey, saying, Let your loins be girded, that is, always ready to do the work of your Lord, and your lamps burning, that is, do not lead a life in darkness, but have with you the light of reason, showing you what to do and what to avoid. For this world is the night, but they have their loins girded, who follow a practical or active life. For such is the condition of servants who must have them also lamps burning, that is, the gift of discernment, that the active man may be able to distinguish not only what he ought to do, but in what way. Otherwise, men rush down the precipice of pride, the afflicate. Isn't that a great statement? A good and clear look at the need at to be the servants always ready, the servants who are about the work of their master, about the will of God, the conversion of souls, the, the conversion and repentance of sinners worldwide prior to the moment of death when the time of mercy comes to an end and the time of judgment will be upon us. Hadock says, our divine Savior had given his disciples such excellent instructions. He wishes to lead them still further in the path of perfection by telling them to keep their loins girt and to be prepared to obey the orders of their divine master. By lamps burning in their hands, he wished to institute that they were not to pass their lives in obscurity, but to let their light shine before men. Are you ready? Are you living your life as though you're ready? Do we have the freedom of movement in this world, in the work of the evangelization of souls, to give God glory, to pour out our lives with great significance and purpose, not encumbered by sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Are we committed? I think we ought to be. There's so much more that can be said, and we'll say more in the next hour, so join us for that, and we'll have more reflection on today's gospel. But we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Steve uh, talk to Steve Cunningham from Census Fidelium about their channel being deleted. It's restored, praise be to God. But why? And what's in the future? All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Got a drive time. I'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be our guest to talk about the complicated life of Colin Powell, who passed yesterday. Uh, We'll have that conversation. The many firsts in his life, but there's also a lot of great complications to include the fact that he's trending on Twitter, but under the hashtag of war criminals. So we're going to going to have that talk with Dr. Paul Kengor coming up at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now is Steve Cunningham, uh, the man behind the great YouTube channel Census Fidelium. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for your time. Good morning. Yeah, the man behind the men. <laughs> the man behind, the wizard behind the curtain uh, is another uh, metaphor we might use. But either way, yeah. I mean, golly gee whiz, Census Fidelium such a huge channel and so many of us love it. Absolutely love the homilies that we hear on that channel and have loved for for many 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 uh years now i personally i i've made playlists out of the content on your channel uh, i just in fact i just sent a playlist on thursday to my cdt insider email list uh, of the nine part series from father wolf on our lady revelation which is just amazing let alone my playlist of him on the end times and the antichrist i i, I share this stuff all the time and then you go and got to get your channel completely deleted by youtube what are you doing to me steve <laughs> nah seriously I, I woke up and did my normal thing and started sharing the saint luke sermons and all of a sudden i started getting texts uh hey did your channel just get deleted i go I don't know. I was literally just on it, sharing things around. And uh, it's just, yeah, I go back up and it poof, you're gone. I look in the uh, Gmail account that it's uh, under on the, uh, uh, everything's got an email address. Right. And it said, yeah, your your account is now suspended permanently. Wow. I don't even have a warning or anything. (laughs) Just gone. Just pulled the plug. I mean, Man, there's guys out there to get two, three strikes, uh, two, uh, two strikes, three strikes, and they come back. I didn't even get at. I mean, give me a foul tip at least. <laughs> you were bringing up the Boston game. I was like, uh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's three strike rule in uh, YouTube land, but not for me yesterday. Now, we, we, that's all we have here is strikes. Yeah, this, we, both of our channel, yeah, both of our channels have two strikes, so we're we're walking on a thin thin edge at this moment right now. But uh, yeah, so we're we're aware of, and so yeah, it's surprising to see you get. Uh, slashed completely so what was the uh what did the discourse get what was it like from youtube did they just they tell you why you got uh, booted off youtube and why they reinstated you 
Well, I don't know if anybody saw the screenshot. It's it said spam and scam, and I forget what the third one was, but it's ridiculous. But I'm, it's very vague. I mean, I, there's a lot of secular guys to listen to, like Last America Vagabond. He had one time YouTube uh, write him saying they banned him for impersonating himself. <laughs> <laughs> I am not joking. It, it's literally they just make things up. It seems. That is, uh, it, we live in interesting times. You know, uh, the brave new digital world gives us incredible opportunities to reach people and to do interesting things at a fraction of the cost it would, you know, 20, 30 years ago in broadcast media. And yet, I got to tell you, I am so grateful to God that the primary audience for this show is still on radio because we can have conversations of consequence and not mm -hmm. be booted off. But we, every time I mention either the vaccines or politics or some other topic, uh, you know, the transgender ideologies, we get struck, we get, we get harassed. Um, do you feel like you do have a future on the platform now that you've been reinstated or are you simply just counting your days before you? You, uh, you have to say goodbye permanently. Uh, let's see, two years, three years ago, I had a friend of mine downloaded the entire channel onto a uh, hard drive. Wow. And I, uh, before that, I was already uploading onto other platforms like BizShoot, Rumble, uh, in the last year, Odyssey, Brighteon, Gloria TV, etc. So it's a matter of time. I would have done, I would be on seven other platforms if I thought I would be safe on YouTube. And <laughs> thankfully, yesterday opened a lot of people's eyes to figure out that what I was saying for the last couple of years, like, hey guys, if you want to continue watching this, it, there's going to be a time when YouTube won't have it on there. I think they figured that out. There's, there's actually a movement to get an alternative platform moving right now. I had quite a few people contact me about uh, trying to fix the website up, which I've been desperately needing help on. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's just a matter of time. And then, but there's also, like we say on the rundown, uh, when I say it on there going, there's going to be a time when we're all going to be up the creek and we're all not going to have that paddle. So eventually we're all going to be in that situation. And I think one of the things that really concerned me about your channel specifically getting banned and instead of things like restoring the faith or or our channel is that the census fidelium channel on YouTube is just sermons and say of the days. You don't put a lot of the controversial material up on YouTube because you're aware of the situation there. So now it really is banning Catholicism, banning the preaching of priests. And if you can get banned for the content that was on your YouTube channel, then I don't see how any Catholic channel can stand. I mean, you, we think of Taylor Marshall, we think of Timothy Gordon, we think of all these different guys who are doing same things much more radical than the sermons and the saint of the days that you're putting up on YouTube. So uh, what is your analysis of that? Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, I put the controversial stuff on other platforms. I know what not to put up on the channel. It's Cloud Planet will never be on YouTube because it would not make the light of day. Um, yeah, it's it's um, utterly amazing what happened with that yesterday. Uh, if they could just shut you down without pull, just pulling the plug without a warning or a strike, hey, yeah, we all everyone's better be you know looking over their six watching their back on this now you uh, you're also an odyssey right because we're live streaming on odyssey right now we've begun backing up our channel there but you're on odyssey as well right right now, but yes. your, your catalog is something altogether interesting in not just in the content itself but you have like some five thousand videos or some some <laughs> something along those lines like how do you manage something so monstrous as five thousand videos yeah, it's, it's hard to start from scratch, I'll say that. Uh, 
at least on YouTube, I can kind I, I got a, I got a ton of playlists. I put a lot in the, like, uh, every month has a playlist now, uh, the seasons, uh, the, the liturgical seasons have a playlist, uh, things like that. Honestly, it can be playlists, but I'm going, as you said, there's, I mean, it doesn't have all the videos because, yeah. you know, you can, you can migrate uh, when you do this shooter Odyssey, but I have such a vast thing that, it, it can't upload 5,000 uh, migrations. So I've actually had somebody contact me saying they will help, uh, they will pay their own people to help wow. upload the uh, remaining 2,000. How incredible. But that's a yeah, great no, point that was, to make. Was really, I, I floored on that one. Yeah. I, what was the support like? From uh, from people, I saw a ton of people out there saying, "Wow, like this is horrible." Since this fidelium changed my life, uh, what kind of uh, response were you getting from people? Oh, my phone blew up I mean, all day. I mean, I was doing messages till eleven o'clock, I and mean, <laughs> it was a nutty day. I, 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 even at, without that, we still had. A, I mean, my wife had a car accident too. Oh the same no! Day. I'm so sorry. So I was sat, we were having to deal with that for two three hours, but. Um, no, there was, it was, it was blown away by how many people, uh, messaged or responded or, uh, was offering their support and help on things like this, uh, you know, their time and willingness to do other things. The biggest thing, and I told a couple of people, there's going to be a lot of good to come out of it. One of it was people's eyes got, you know, opened up to the fact that yeah, we got to do something else. I mean, I mean, they took it, they took the channel down without, a, you know, like I said, without even saying why. I mean, I I kind of think it was because I I commented on a COVID parish uh, YouTube channel uh, in North Carolina, not too oh. far from me. They they were doing some kind of a uh, new normal uh, retreat at the parish, and I got I I just couldn't take it anymore and started typing. And I wonder if that parish ended up saying that I was spamming them. Oh, I see. I don't know. You, they how, don't tell you. How so. nuanced is that? You know, we, we've talked quite a bit about censorship on this show in relation to our own struggles, as we've already talked to you about. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always talked, brought up in that conversation is, yes, it's great to have alternative sites to go to. You've, you've mentioned several, BitChute, Rumble, Odyssey. There are even more than that. Uh, but yet, I find two things about those alternatives. Number one, they're clunky as all get out. Their technology is nowhere near as refined as YouTube. That's number one. Number two, uh, they just don't have the audience. We just, it's so hard to find the audience over there. And it's like we have this love hate relationship with algorithms. We love the fact that algorithms allow us to, to uh, play by the rules and find an audience. But then we hate the algorithm that censors us and, and keeps us from that audience. In your experience, you're a massive channel when it comes to, uh, to the Catholic world. Uh, do you find that you're able to connect with an audience on those alternative platforms? And how have you struggled with the technology over there? I mean, it's growing, but yeah, it's not a YouTube level. I mean, I got, uh, I think, 4,000 on Rumble, 4,400 4, on Rumble, only about 1,800 on Odyssey. And I like Odyssey way better than Rumble. Yeah. Uh, Bit shoots, I think we're in two to three thousand range, maybe five thousand. I have to look at yeah, I didn't check. Uh so Gloria TV is starting to get more views. Uh Brian, not really. Gab, eh, you know, you have 70 views, 50 views, or something like that. But yeah, not even nowhere near the level. Now there's guys like uh Dave Cullen in Ireland who got booted off YouTube uh what half a year ago. He's getting, you know, tens of thousands of views. He's got a hundred thousand subscribers on BitShoot. 
so there's guys like that that have, but it's almost they're it's speaking to the choir. Mm. Where YouTube, you're still pulling from the haters a lot. <laughs> you have an opportunity to plant seeds. Yeah, yeah. You go where you, you go where the the uh, you go where the people are. That's still that still YouTube. So it'd be good for us to get a safe quote unquote. I want to use the cuss word of safe. <laughs> but uh, it'd be good to have a safe Catholic alternative, which is good, so that people that are on the team can watch. You don't have to worry about the commercials. You don't have to worry about seeing some kind of, hey, let's recommend this video, and it's scandalous beyond scandalous on the side. And you're like, how they recommend that? Yeah. Uh, and- I feel that way about BitChute, though. BitChute is the wild, wild west. I mean, Rumble yeah. is just basically all politics uh, for the most part, and BitChute feels absolutely insane. It's all over the place. I, I, uh, we have a channel there, but I don't upload or do anything with it because I feel I, I don't want to send people to it and be uh, exposed to some insanity. Yeah, you, no, you're right. If you go to the uh, the front page of BitChute, I never do use it because I just <laughs> keep it right up on my exactly. my channel, so I can real upload or whatever on it and. Uh, yeah, it's it's like how what is there porn on this? I mean, literally, it's exactly. anything goes on some of these platforms. Which that's the whole libertarian mindset, this whole free speech mindset. Yeah, they go with this overkill in the free speech. Whatever you want to do, put it up. And like, okay, uh, maybe we shouldn't go that far on <laughs> right. that. But right, Prudent- prudential judgment should have some bearing here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I see a day. I see a day where we as evangelists might have to really get crafty and and uh, self distribute uh, our content. Could be peer to peer Bluetooth enabled networks. It could be passing out SD cards or some means like that. Do you see that? I used to pass out CDs. Yeah, um, me too. I would burn CDs like the kind of like Lighthouse Catholic Media style and put about a hundred MP3s on that, give it out. That would offer my car because people would say, Oh, no, no, I know everything about Catholicism anyway. And I'd, right. I have a banner of the Von Day over here. I say, Here's my car. If you can tell me what that banner means. And they did like, What? I mean, here, take this CD. It's track five. <laughs> well, Steve Cunningham, we're grateful that you're back up. Well, we'll pray that you get to hang out a little bit longer anyway on YouTube. And we're especially grateful for the content on Census Fidelium. It's a fantastic channel and a wonderful resource for Holy Mother Church. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. Appreciate you guys. All right. Praise be to God. We're going to go to break. we got more breaking news and stories. And then Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be on to talk about the life and legacy of Colin Powell. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we're pulled in many directions. Our world is frantic and sometimes chaotic. We parents need to take a pause. Take some time away to become more intentional in our Catholic family life. We suggest a tool that we call the Family Board Meeting. This meeting's a time for you and your spouse to affirm each other in your giftedness, cast a vision framing what you want your family to look like, and then set concrete goals to make that vision a reality. More than ever, our world needs dynamic Catholic families. That only happens when parents are intentional about building a Catholic family culture within their home. Take time to build a culture that is stronger and more influential on your children than the culture of the world that surrounds them. To help you run this board meeting, we've created a tool for you. A download at our website, MessyFamilyProject.org. Get the worksheet and then work with your spouse to be more intentional in your family life. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. Here are your headline news. LifeSite reports the Biden administration, the Justice Department in particular, tries again to get the Supreme Court to block the Texas Heartbeat Act. The DOJ filed an emergency application Monday urging the U.S. Supreme Court to halt enforcement of a Texas law banning abortion once a heartbeat is detectable after a lower court declined to do so. The Biden administration is trying the Supreme Court once again with a motion arguing that instead of, quote, forthrightly, unquote, asking the court to reconsider its current abortion precedent, quote, Texas took matters into its own hands by crafting an unprecedented structure to thwart judicial review, unquote. The high court's previous 5-4 decision was based not on the merits of the law, but on the lack of an actionable enforcement suit so far. That could give the abortion industry standing to seek relief. The DOJ application argues that abortion centers are currently suffering real-world harm, praise be to God, due to the uncertainty the law forces on them. This was equally true in September, however, so it's unclear if the Supreme Court will respond any differently this time. Let's pray they don't. The Hill reports the January 6th panel lays out criminal contempt case against Steve Bannon. A criminal contempt report released by the House committee investigating the January 6th protest on the Capitol largely pushes back on former Trump White House strategist Stephen Bannon's claim that he can't respond to a subpoena by the panel due to executive privilege. The trove of documents was released ahead of schedule and uh, ahead of a scheduled vote for a criminal referral to the Department of Justice after Bannon failed to show for a scheduled deposition, laying out the multiple attempts made to seek his testimony. The report includes a letter from Bannon's attorney obtained by The Hill and other media outlets noting a threat from President Trump to sue and the need to, quote, honor his invocation of executive privilege, unquote. The report also includes a previously undisclosed list of documents and information the committee sought from Bannon. Among details about his role in planning rallies on January 6th, the request asked for information about coordination with another figure subpoenaed alongside Bannon, Kash Patel, who was then serving as the chief of staff to acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller. It also asks if Bannon uh, discussed the election with extremist groups such as Proud Boys or Oath Keepers, far-right radio host and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, and Rep. Scott Perry, who was recently highlighted as a key figure in Trump's pressure campaign on the DOJ in the waning days of his presidency, according to a report from the Senate Judiciary Committee. The Hill also reports Colin Powell is dead at 84 from COVID complications. Former Secretary of State Colin Powell, the first black American to serve in the post, died on Monday at the age of 84 due to complications from COVID-19, his family announced in a statement. The family said the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff had been fully vaccinated and was receiving treatment at Walter Reed National Medical Center. Powell reportedly had been diagnosed with multiple types of cancer, and Peggy Seferino also said the former Secretary of State and top military official received his second shot of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine back in February. 
He was reportedly slated to receive his booster shot this past week, but could not follow through with the plans due to the fact that he was sick. Powell was born on April 5, 1937 in New York City and was raised by Jamaican immigrant parents in the South Bronx. Following a decorated military career that included tours in Vietnam, Powell held key military diplomatic positions throughout the government, serving under both Democrat and Republican presidents. Former President George W. Bush, who tapped Powell to serve as his Secretary of State, said he was, quote, deeply saddened by the military leader's death. And that is your headline news. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, Dr. Paul Kengor joins us once again. He's the professor of political science at Grove City College, author of numerous books. We we did some great interviews with him about Karl Marx and uh, and socialism and communism a couple of weeks, or actually a couple of months ago. But Dr. Paul Kengor, welcome back to the program. Dr. Kengor, are you there? I'm here. Hey, praise, praise be to God. Hi. It's good to have you on the show again. Yeah, good to be back, Joe. Thanks. I was surprised yesterday upon hearing the report of Colin Powell's passing. I guess I wasn't really surprised. He's a complicated character, to be sure. But on Twitter, I saw a trending hashtag of war criminal. And uh, I started to read through some of the, the tweets that were using that tag to describe Colin Powell. That many, many people really did not see him as a good person or a good character and blamed him a lot for the atrocities that came out of the uh, 20-year war campaign, especially those in Iraq. But he, he was a man of, of great uh, firsts. First black to serve as National Security Advisor. First black man to serve as Joint Chiefs of Staff and Secretary of State. He served under Reagan, George Bush Sr., George Bush Jr. He voted for uh, Barack Obama twice. He voted for uh, Joe Biden, so Republican who was going Democrat. Uh, he helped plan the capture of Noriega, planned the first Gulf War. He made that infamous speech in 2003 to the UN that uh, laid out the justification for invasion of Iraq and toppling of Saddam Hussein. I mean, a man of great complications. Um, how do you see Colin Powell? Yeah, no, that, no, that's a very good summary. And the fact that people on Twitter would summarize him as a war criminal really speaks more about Twitter, right? Than it does, uh, <laughs> yeah, that does Colin Powell. And, and, and that, that speech in, in 2003 where he laid that out as Secretary of State to George W. Bush was a really great and compelling speech. And, and he laid that out based on intelligence we had, information that we had, there wasn't anybody in the world who didn't think that Saddam had WMDs. So the, the, the question, everybody, everyone forgets this. The, the, the question was, what was the best way to disarm Saddam? And you know, that, that's where the debate was. So on one side, you had the United States, George W. Bush, um, Vice President Dick Cheney, Colin Powell, Tony Blair, the, the U.K. prime minister, they all said, well, the only way to disarm this guy is to remove him, period. And then the other side, you had the French, you had the Russians, and they said, well, the way we've got to do this is we have to have continued sanctions, right, on the, people, on the people of Iraq. And all that was doing was starving the people of Iraq. So, so Bush and Blair and the others decided that we had to go in and, and take him out. We had to remove him. Now, when we got there, we didn't find the stockpiles of WMDs that we thought that we would. Now, we, d we did find WMDs, and pe people always forget this, but we didn't find the massive stockpiles that we expected. And, and, and to this day, Joe, I mean, people think that they, they might have been destroyed 
moved or buried in that interim period between the time that they were making the case to go into war, like fall 2002, and we went, when we went in March, April 2003. So, you know, that that was probably uh, more, more of the actual debate or what people should be debating about. But, um, you know, war criminal, that's terribly unfair. Uh, you know, the, the man was very thoughtful, was going, uh, he was trying to be responsible, was trying to do the right thing. So, you know, it, it, pe- people could be a little bit more nuanced. But, you know, then again, Twitter isn't the place for nuance. <laughs> Twitter's definitely <laughs> not the place for nuance. Well, uh, one thing that I think is really good for, because, uh, like, for me, I'm 23 years old, and I have no idea who this guy is. I have never heard of him before. And all of a sudden, he's trending on Twitter. Everybody's talking about him. But it's all negative from every side. The left is saying wicked things about him. The right is saying wicked things about him. And everyone agrees that he's a horrible person. And I'm like, the fact that everybody's saying that he's a horrible person makes me immediately skeptical of the situation already. Uh, So what is, for someone who has no idea of his legacy other than what Joe just dropped uh, at the very beginning there what should someone like uh, my age and who's never heard of him really gather from this whole situation yeah no, what, what's it, it's interesting that you say that adrian it makes me feel old welcome to my world yeah i i know so that that uh, he boy he was a household name right joe and and yeah. and that just shows how quickly things can change but yeah you know adrian given your age i could see that totally um, and and w- when when I heard his death, I was really surprised, and and then I immediately thought, well, wait a second, do the math, right? How old was he? And I, and I thought he had to have been at least eighty, and you know, he was he was he was eighty four years old, and it was COVID, and he was fully vaccinated as well, so you know that that really stands out here. But but he became known back in the nineteen eighties when he was Ronald Reagan's national security advisor, mm-hmm. and, and and I should note that that you know Colin Powell, although he served Reagan well. It did did some kind of infamous things that us Reaganites remember, such as, for example, advising Reagan not to use the words "tear down this wall," Mr. Wow. Gorbachev, "tear down this wall" in the Berlin Wall speech, and, and that was a kind of a, an example of how wishy-washy Colin Powell could be at times. And and he was, I got to add this too, especially for for a Catholic audience, for for someone who was a Republican that Republicans pushed to run for president, at least some Republicans did, especially in the late 1990s. In fact, he would have been the guy probably running and seeking the 2000 nomination that George W. Bush got. He, he was pretty liberal on social issues, including abortion. He, he was pro-choice on the abortion issue. And I remember myself and a number of us who, who at one point were, were pushing Colin Powell to run when we really found out where he was on abortion, you know, we suddenly took the other position and did what we could to, to, to run against him. Um, and, and really, probably, I mean, he says he didn't run because his wife didn't want him to. He didn't want to get into the nastiness of politics and everything else. But a big part of it, I, I think, were, were pro-lifers who he didn't respect and, and you know, who, who he saw as standing in his way. And and he was you know, he was he was very liberal on on those issues, and that's the kind of for, you know, for us as Catholics, that's the very negative side of Colin Powell that we shouldn't forget. Hold that thought, Dr. Paul Kingor is our guest. He is a professor of political science at Grove City College. We're talking about Colin Powell, the complexity of his life and his legacy, and we're going to talk more about that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back for more of this. But do us a favor and uh, share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful. We'll be right back.
Atheists often argue they don't need to give reasons for their position because they simply lack a belief in God, the assumption being theists alone have the burden of proof. But is this rational? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Atheism can't simply be a lack of belief. Dogs lack belief in God, but that doesn't make dogs atheists. Atheism makes a claim about the world, namely, God doesn't exist. As such, atheists, along with theists, must shoulder the burden of proof. Even if an atheist says he simply hasn't found any good evidence for God, he would still have to prove why the evidence theists give for God is not good evidence. No matter how an atheist looks at it, he can't sit the sidelines when it comes to defending his position on the question of God's existence. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Tribe Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you. Colin Powell passed away yesterday. I think he was 84 years old. And we're talking about his life and his legacy with uh, political science professor, Dr. Paul Kengor from Grove City College. Welcome back to the program. Um... You know, one of the things that surprised me about him, again, man of many firsts, he, he did not go to West Point, yet he, he went all the way up to four-star general. That is very hard to do in the military. Most of the four-star generals come out of West Point or, or one of the military academies, Air Force Academy, Navy Academy, that kind of thing. Um, yet he was an ROTC uh, kid out of a, a city college in New York. And he was able to rise all the way to the top. So one of the most powerful, influential people on planet Earth. And I, I want to say that now that I've been watching some of the commentary on his life on the news, that 2003 UN speech was the thing he regretted most. The thing that he could never g- get rid of. The stigma that would last all the way to the end of his days. Um, do you think that there will be, uh, like the intelligence community will ever come out and say, hey, you know what? It's not Colin's fault. We, 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 we passed him bad information. Well, it would take a single individual, right, kind of representative of the intelligence community to say that. And he was – it's really interesting that, that, that that's the case, Joe, that people – did he say that that was what he regretted the most? That, yeah. That speech? I was watching a, uh, uh, an interview this morning from the guy who sat right behind him. Uh, who was the uh, who was the envoy to the UN for the United States? Sat right behind him that day, and he said, "He this is basically his comments." He and this was a video that I found on on Yahoo News regarding Powell, and he said that this was his life regret was having to live with the stigma of the 2003 UN speech, which laid the case as we talked about out for the the invasion of Iraq and the toppling of Saddam Hussein based on faulty intelligence, because in this speech, Colin Powell's actually saying this is great, solid information and great, solid resources, and this is a, a body of facts and, a, be, and a, uh, a trend of behavior, and he was making all of, this, all of these cases, and then the world turned on him on that. 
Yeah, well, you, you know, and it really was all those things. And, and so, yeah, this is disappointing to me because it really shows, and this is kind of typical Colin Powell, how the man could be pressured by the outside forces, by the culture, right? I, I mean, this, which I think also explains where he went on social moral issues like abortion and everything else. I mean, he really should have stood up and, and, and said, no, and, by, and Dick Cheney has been pretty good about this and said, no, look, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the, but this is what all the evidence said, and, and, and I, and, you know, I said a lot in the last segment because this is something I've actually studied for a long time. But, but when I when I first started in the field of foreign policy, international relations, I was in graduate school at American University, at School of International Service. Washington, D.C. This was 1991-93, and I worked at what was the top think tank in the country, um, Center for Strategic and International Studies, and my area was Iraq, Iraq's nuclear weapons program. So I was there. I was studying Iraq's WMDs. I was doing all of this stuff, and at that time, Colin Powell was uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, he, he was the guy who, and Dick Cheney was Secretary of Defense. This was pr- under President George H.W. Bush. And we decided to push Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. And at that time in 1991, we thought that Saddam had WMDs back then. And in fact, we knew and we confirmed after the war, he had stockpiles of chemical weapons and biological weapons. And at that point, he was only six months from the, work, from the workable nuclear weapon. The only thing he needed was about six kilograms of plutonium. All he needed was, was the fissile material. For, to, to, uh, that, that's all that he needed. And so by the year 2003, after, after the U.N. weapons inspectors had been kicked out, they were kicked out in December 1998 during the Clinton administration, there wasn't anybody in the world who didn't think that Saddam didn't have WMDs. And, and, and all kinds of books and reports were done after 2003, um, there, there was a book by a guy, um, uh, what was his name, uh, Kadir Hamza, called Saddam's Bomb Maker, the guy who was actually Saddam's bomb maker. There was an Iraqi Christian named George uh, Sada, Sada, who said that the WMDs were moved, they were taken to Syria. Um, as the United States was getting closer in 2003, um, Saddam, Saddam Hussein's sons were put in charge of the removal. They were both killed in, in a kind of fight for their lives in 2003. So, so Colin Powell really shouldn't apologize for this. But it's where we are today where you get these, these people in social media and everywhere else that are just wolves. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no charity. There's no careful thought. And it wouldn't surprise me that, that, you know, Colin Powell, and I'll say something kind of negative here about his character, even though he was a man with character, he had this tendency to kind of blow with the wind. And, 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 and so I could see him kind of taking the, you know, the, the line of the left on this issue by the time of his death in 2021. And he shouldn't have, because, you know, they, you know, they, were, they were the kind of hatchet men, right? Bush lied, kids died. You know, right. Bush didn't lie. You know, Bush didn't lie about it. He, he could have been wrong, right? But but he wasn't lying about it. If Bush lied, then Bill Clinton died. Mad- or, or, or Bill Clinton lied. Madeleine Albright lied. All the Clinton people lied. All of them lied. Everybody. Tony Blair lied. They all lied. They didn't lie. They could have been wrong, but they weren't lying. So so um, he, he really has nothing to apologize for there. Um, I would be again much more critical of him um, as a Catholic on issues like abortion. I think you know that that's something. Um, you know, in, in 2021 that he should have had regrets about, um, you know, and, and that's something that, you know, has caused far more loss of life 
that, and, and by the way, who knows what loss of life Saddam Hussein might have caused if Saddam Hussein hadn't been stopped and, um, and, and executed in, in 2003. You know, not that I as a Catholic favor capital punishment, but, but, but you know, I, I'm just saying in, in terms of loss of life, um, his position on abortion, you know, I, I, I found that especially troubling, and I don't think that that ever troubled him at all. And I know it doesn't trouble the, the critics who are savaging him um, on, on the Iraq issue, because most of them are coming from the political left, and they're pro-choice mm. on the abortion issue. By the way, it was Ambassador John Negroponte who made those comments uh, on oh, uh, CBSN yeah, yeah. this morning, or actually yesterday probably, uh, about that moment, that that fateful moment in 2003 at the U.N., sitting behind him and uh, and reflecting upon uh, the, the facts that were presented versus uh, the information provided to him by the intelligence community. It was definitely complicated, uh, to yeah, you, say you, the least. I had this, too. I, I, I remember this just, came, this just came to my mind. I remember after 9-11, when all the different Bush people spoke about what happened, Donald Rumsfeld spoke, a day or two later, Colin, uh, Colin Powell mm. spoke, and, and one of the reporters said, you know, Secretary Powell, um, you're getting condolences from everybody from Fidel Castro to Muammar Gaddafi on 9-11, but one person that hasn't said anything is Saddam Hussein. And Powell said, hmm, you know, that doesn't surprise me. There's not an ounce of milk of compassion in, uh, in, 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 in his blood or something, a statement like that. Yeah. Um, because, because that's how horrible Saddam Hussein was. And a lot of people after 2001 thought that maybe Saddam Hussein might have had something to do with um, with September 11th. Now we've never seen any evidence of that, but but I but I point that out because Saddam Hussein was that bad of a guy. He was a really cruel, vicious guy. We've had no one in the world that bad of a dictator um, since then, and in even many decades prior to Saddam Hussein. I'll never forget watching that video clip of Saddam Hussein in an auditorium in front of all of his officials and leaders and calling people out by name, and they're taken outside and shot. You know, right. it, yep. it's yep. it's yep. it's very spooky, you know, creepy type of uh, of video, and or the video of the, his use of chemical weapons against the Iranians on the border, and right. uh, and seeing the devastating effects. I will also not forget because the Gulf War was uh, one of the first occasions in the history where you had so many embedded reporters with military units, and I was watching live one day back in uh, two thousand three or whatever it was, and. Um, and seeing uh, a Marine recon unit stop a convoy of trucks making uh, as fast as possible towards the Syrian border. And it turns out, because they were shot the trucks up and they stopped them in the tracks, they were mobile chemical weapons units. And it was live on television. Right. And you never heard another word about that. So, Well, it, it, and Saddam throughout the 1990s <clears throat> said they didn't have WMDs, right? Right, and which is the same thing he said in 2003. And, and we went in and we found them all over the place. <laughs> and, and this was a guy who actually used chemical weapons and bioweapons against the Kurds, the Marsh Arabs, Shiite dissidents, uh, the, the, the Iranian-Iraq War, as you said, 1980-88. That was the largest scale use of chemical weapons in, co in combat since Hitler in World War II. Uh, right, right. And, 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 and he threatened to, quote, scorch half of Israel with chemical gas, unquote. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of monster that we were dealing with, a, a really bad guy. And Colin Powell understood that. And again, his critics 
didn't and still don't. Although I'm not a big fan of regime change war and, uh, you know, endless wars. Uh, I would like to see us not be involved in those types of situations overseas. But we only have a couple of minutes left with Dr. Paul Kingor. Well, Let's, can I add something on that? Sure. better as Go a for Catholic, it. Because you're going to get emails from people saying, you know, uh, Kingor didn't point out that John Paul II and, and church leaders condemned this war. That's right. He, he did. He did. And, and, and it did lead to a horrible refugee situation, uh, heavy religious uh, persecution uh, that still goes on to this day. Lots it, of it, loss it, of it, life. It did. It created a hornet's nest. So, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to justify it or, or, or go on a full debate here about the pros and cons, should we have or shouldn't we have. I'm just saying that where Colin Powell was at that time and with what he knew, um, and, and the information that he had, and given where we were and what had happened in the past, he really doesn't have anything to apologize for there. Um, he, 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 took, he took a stand based on, on information, and, and, and all you can do as a public official is, is take what you're given and do the best that you can with it. We're not omniscient, right? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not God. We, we, we don't know any better. And, and so, so the whole situation requires a lot more delicacy and nuance than I think people are willing to give it. All right. We're out of time. Dr. Paul Kingor, political science professor at Grove City College. Thank you for your time today, reflecting on the life and legacy of Colin Powell. We're grateful to you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks, Joe. Same to you. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. We'll have some good news. Praise be to Jesus. Some crusader news, actually. That's coming up next hour. Plus the game show Fear and Trembling. So if you would like to possibly win some cool prizes, you got to tune in next hour and be our caller at the right time to play the game, and you might win. All of that coming up next, but join us tomorrow morning, if you can, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for another round of Catholic Drive Time. Interesting conversation. Luke Burgess is going to be on to talk about capitalism, culture, and the U.S. workforce in the first hour. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. 
The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You're, you're almost there. It's, it's what, Tuesday? I mean, just think about it. Another day from now, you're halfway to your weekend again. It's going to be great. But we have a, a great hour lined up for you this hour. We just wrapped up a conversation with uh, Steve Cunningham from Census Fidelium, a large, massive Catholic YouTube channel that so many of us absolutely love, got deleted yesterday. But by the grace of God, they were reestablished. So they're back up now. We don't know for how long, but uh, it was fun to talk to Steve about that. And, uh, and I encourage you to make use of it while you can. But they are backing up their content elsewhere. Uh, we also talked with Dr. Paul Kengor about the life and legacy, the complex life and legacy of Colin Powell, uh, a man of great firsts, but also a man of great complexity, um, not to mention his support for things like abortion and other problems. So uh, interesting conversation. We'll be posting both of those to our social feeds at some point in the near future. That's coming up. But this hour, we have a great opportunity to share some good news, some inspiring news, uh, some crusader news. Uh, did you realize there was recent and updated crusader news in the news? Yes, there is. I'm going to share it with you here There's in a moment. crusader news. Uh, <sighs> crusades have been over for, let's see, a year or two at least. Well, we have brand new news for you in relation to the Crusades uh, coming up next. Then we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, hopefully a little reflection. Then we play Fear and Trembling, and there's an opportunity to win some cool prizes. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, who Who's the prize sponsor this week? Uh, this sponsor, we have a uh, Ardent Draws by Rosalie. Uh, Rosalie is based out of California. She uh, She's a watercolor uh, um uh, watercolor paintist, I guess you could call. Uh, she's giving away an 8x10 print of Pope John Paul II 
in honor of his feast day this Friday. And so on Friday, um, you could win a portrait of the the feast, uh, the the um, the saint of the day for that for that for I think it's Friday uh, the twenty second of okay. October. Okay. So it's a watercolor painting of Pope John Paul II praying. Um, he has a cross uh, over his forehead. Uh, very. Um, Beautiful custom print. Uh, she's a custom watercolor watercolorist. Is that how you how you would say it? I would she's say an artist. Artist. Yeah. Well, she specifically does watercoloring, so that's like her thing. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Wow. Her work is amazing. Um, check out ardent dot draws on Instagram. Cool. Very cool. Speaking mm-hmm. of watercolors, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, good morning. It's good to be here. You should Is see it? my watercolors. Yeah. It, uh, they're, they're pretty amazing. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, back when mm. I was in elementary school, best watercolor in the class. Maybe uh, maybe not true. Uh, I can't remember. Should exactly. I fact check that? Uh, no, don't don't fact Who check that. Who was your teacher? I'm gonna uh, look her up. Uh, you don't you don't remember? Go on with that. Uh, David Magianis <laughs> left me. So David Magianis is the assistant general manager for the Houston station, and he left me a note here. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, "Shout out to Juan Pablo and sister Alejandra going to St. Jerome Catholic School. Big fans of Catholic Drive Time, wow. especially the game show. Hey now, and um, he met them at the Christ the Good Shepherd Fall Festival. How so cool. shout out to Juan." Pablo and Alejandra. God bless y'all. Thank y'all for being tuning in every day. Yeah, praise be to God. Real quick, uh, Jeannie, do, do you remember your teacher, your elementary school teacher's names? Are you that kind of a person? I'm always amazed I, by those that can. Yeah, I can. My favorite. Really? Yeah, actually, um, I, I used to use my favorite elementary teacher as my one of my passwords growing up because yeah. I loved her so much. Um, yeah. So uh, Mrs. Gibson was my favorite. Uh, she was my first grade teacher. Um, and then it's, I had Ms. Hawthorne for like second grade. And then, uh, so those are the two, I know second. That's insane. Thir- yeah. First Adrian, what about you? Do you remember your teacher's names? Oh yeah. I remember all my teacher's names. Seriously? Yeah. I could probably recite to you in order <sighs> every me. teacher I've ever had. Not me. The only one I remember is Mrs. McCabe. And that's because she made me the 10th grade history student of the year. Uh, clearly she is brilliant insight. But and very astute. But that's 10th grade. That's high yeah. school. Yeah, that's way I, like late. I, <laughs> that's way like late. I said, I can't yeah, remember I could, I could any literally of their start, names. I could literally start from pre-K and go through <laughs> the university. Not me. But Not yeah. me. Well, let's say that for the after show, I guess. I would be curious if our audience is the type of person that remembers their teacher's names, because I'm not one of them. But let's pray for your intentions, for the conversion of sinners around the world, for the repose of the souls that face eternity today. And for fidelity to Holy Mother Church and her teaching uh, in in uh, the hierarchy, all right? And whatever your intentions are, dear listener, let's also pray for that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, Thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now for some good news. Praise be to God. We cover the uh, difficult news in the last hour to with two breaks. And so this hour, we always try to give you something a little bit more upbeat and inspiring. The Jerusalem Post reports... 900-year-old crusader sword found by scuba diver off Israel's coast. Now, how cool is that? I mean, let's be honest. An impressive meter-long sword dating back to the crusader period was found by a scuba diver on the seabed off the coast 
of Carmel, the Antiquities Authority, IAA, announced on Monday. The diver spotted several ancient remains, such as pottery fragments and stone and metal anchors, as well as the blade, which probably resurfaced after some shifting of the sands. Fearing that the artifact might get covered up again, he brought it to the surface and contacted the IAA. The sword, quote, which has been preserved in per perfect condition, is a beautiful and rare find, evidently belonged to a crusader knight, unquote, said IAA Robbery Prevention Unit Inspector Nier Distelfeld. Quote, it was found encrusted with marine organisms, but is apparently made of iron. It is ex it is exciting to encounter such a personal object, taking you 900 years back in time to a different era with knights, armor, and sword. Unquote. The Carmel Coast witnessed important moments in the history of the Crusades, uh, pursuing the idea of liberating the holy sites from Muslim rule and encouraged by the Roman Catholic Church. European powers initiated several military campaigns in the Middle East between the 11th and 13th centuries, which led to the establishment of a number of Christian states in the area of modern Israel, Lebanon, and Syria. Unfortunately, there are no more Christian countries to call on for the next crusade. But anyway, we'll leave that for another day. And that is your good news for today. The same of the day and, you know, the modern crusaders, we have that crusader spirit is still alive today and we could be those modern crusaders. Uh, the saint of the day is St. Peter of Alcantara. He was born in Alcantara, Spain in 1499. Peter, while still a youth, left his home at Alcantara, Spain and entered a convent of discaled Franciscans. He rose quickly to a high post in the order, but his thirst for penance was still unappeased. And in 1539, being then 40 years old, he founded the first convent of the strict observance. In fact, many religious orders have created convents of strict observances after the, after the Council of Trent. The cells of the friars resembled graves rather than dwelling places. That of St. Peter himself was four feet and a half in length so that he could never lie down. He ate but once in three days, and his sackcloth habit and a cloak were his only garments, and he never covered his head or his feet. In the bitter winter, he would open the door and the window of his cell that by closing them again, he might experience some sensation of warmth. Think about that, making it colder for yourself, so that way whenever you close a door, you're slightly warmer. Amongst those whom he trained to perfection was St. Teresa. He read her soul and approved of her spirit of prayer and strengthened her to carry out her reforms. St. Peter died with great joy, kneeling in prayer. When he was offered water, he refused it, saying, Even my Lord Jesus Christ thirsted on the cross. He died on October 18, 1562, at the age of 63. He was beatified by Pope Gregory XV on the 18th of April, 1622, and was canonized by Pope Clement IX on the 28th of April, 1669. St. Peter of Alcantara, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 38. Jesus said to his disciples, Gird your loins and light your lamps. And be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. 
Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way? Blessed are those servants. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great uh, said, In the first watch is childhood, the beginning of our existence. And by the second is understood manhood. And by the third is meant old age. He, therefore, who does not comply with our Divine Master's injunctions in the first or second watch, let him be careful not to lose his soul by neglecting to be converted to God in his old age. Tick, tick, tick. The clock is ticking for us. Let us live life as though eternity is coming. Adrian, what did you find? Oh, man. So, Cornelius Lapide had a ton to say about this. I feel like I say that more often now. Sometimes he has brief things to say, but his one, he has a list. He has a paragraph, and he has a list for just like the first two verses here. So, highly recommend if you uh, want to check out Cornelius Lapide's commentary today. Yeah, so a couple things that he notes here. One is the allusion towards the Passover meal. He's saying, just as in the Passover meal, you had the staff in your hand, you had the, your shoes on your feet, and you're eating uh, unleavened bread, and you're ready for the journey, so too Christians, we must be ready in the same mystery to be ready to take off, to do the mission of the church, to evangelize souls, to save souls. That's one of the things to take away. Another thing is, and when it refers to girding, he says, fifthly, so this is the fifth point that he makes here. Fifthly, soldiers and athletes gird their loins that they may fight with more strength and courage. So do you also, O Christians, gird your loins with a girdle of strength and fortitude that as ministers of Christ, you may fight boldly against the devil, the flesh and the world and conquer the, and triumph. This goes right back to what we were talking about a second ago with the crusaders. We have the crusader spirit. The uh, mass reading on Sunday was about putting on the armor of God. And so we must have this breastplate of righteousness. We must gird our loins with truth. And of course, Lapide notes at the beginning of his commentary here that uh, St. Augustine and St. Basil, Venerable Bede, Chrysologus, all recognize that the girding of our loins is by the belt of purity. And why is the belt of purity important? Because what does it say in Holy Writ? It says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Now imagine that for a second. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. What does that imply? That implies that those who are not pure shall not see God. Why was St. Thomas Aquinas known as the angelic doctor? It was because of his great purity. And because of his great purity, he was able to have great insights into the spiritual life. Because it was by purity that he was able to understand and have that angelic wisdom because angels are not, do not sin against lust. Because what is it that lust is? It's said by uh, the saints that more souls go to heaven because of sins of the flesh than any other sin, specifically the sin of lust. But pride is the worst of sins. But lust drags us away from the truth. It drags us, it clouds our eyes. It makes us not able to see clearly. And because of that, we must gird, our, gird ourselves with the belt of purity. It's the only way in which we are to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because we're supposed to gird up our loins. So think about this today. 
to gird up your loins, and are you ready to fight against the world, mm. the flesh, and the devil as they come to devour you? Amen. Even Augustine said, he teaches us also to gird our loins for the sake of keeping ourselves from the love of the things of this world, and to have our lamps burning, that this thing may be done with a true end and right intention. Close quote, St. Augustine, pray for us. All right, it is time to play our game, Fear and Trembling, where you, my dear listener, could win prizes. But you have to be our first caller right now. The phone lines are open and waiting for your call. If you've never played before or if it's been a while, call now, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith and the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired and fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right? Is that a deal? But here's the deal. There are a few things we like to do during the game show segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you did not know before, right? Which gives you an opportunity later today to kind of show things off a little bit around the office or the school and just like, you know, hey, did you know X, Y, or Z? 
And uh, you look smarter as a result, so you're, you're welcome. But also, we like to have fun, and we like to have a laugh. And our callers tend to be a really uh, good time. They laugh with us. They're good sports. We really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. If you're just joining us, we don't ask these trivia questions to our caller. They don't have to know any of the right answers to still win the game. It's that much fun. The reason why is because I don't ask them. Instead, I ask Janice and I ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong. And the uh, the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom, whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? This week we're giving away uh, a gift from Ardent Draws by Rosalie. Uh, she's giving away an 8 by 10 print of Pope John Paul II, valued at $30. This portrait depicts Pope John Paul II praying, blocking out all distractions from the world, and focusing on the Eucharistic presence inside of him. Uh, it's an 8 by 10 premium matte paper, high quality printing uh, print. Uh, and it's an 8x10, again, and you can use it to frame, uh, decorate your home, decorate your child's home, uh, your altar, or have any, uh, if you have any saint uh, images around your home, uh, this is a great addition to your home. Again, Instagram, you can find her on Instagram at, at ardent.draws, or you can visit her website at ardent.draws.com. Um, and she is, again, Ardent by Rosalie. And a uh, great, great prize. So definitely ch- definitely check out her website. She has beautiful uh, watercolor paintings of various saints. All right. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Mary and Andrea, good morning to you. Thanks for being our contestant this morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Uh, Mary and Andrea, how old are you? We're six years old. You're six years old? That is both of you at the same time? That must make you twins. No kidding. Where where are you from? What what city do you live in? San Antonio. San Antonio. Praise be to God. I grew up in San Antonio. It's a great town, by the way. And not just because I grew up there, but because you live there. And where where do you guys go Despite to church? That Joe grew up there. Uh, nice. How wonderful. And you guys are are you on your way to school today? Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited about? Do you like school? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite subject? Mm, math. Science. Math and science. You guys are smart. You should be able to take quick work of this uh, these questions today because, good grief, math and science are not my favorite subjects. Yikes. I'm scared of you guys. You're too smart. Are you ready to play? Do you know how this game is played? Yes. Okay, so you know Janice and Adrian are going to answer the questions, and only one of them is going to be right. So you have to decide which one of those two persons is correct. So we're going to play now. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Janice, we'll start with you as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yep. Janice, can you tell me what is the pastoral staff? The symbol of the office, carried by a bishop or an abbot, and shaped like a shepherd's crook. What is that called? Oh, the pastoral staff. Um, I would say that is his collar. His 
collar. Yes. So the collar. The collar. The collar mm. of a priest is his pastoral staff. It's the symbol of the office that he carries. Huh. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, Adrian, let's see what you have to say. Can you tell me what is the pastoral staff? The symbol of the office carried by the bishop or an abbot and is shaped like a shepherd's crook. Ah, what do we call that? I see. I see. Yeah, that would be a crozier. A crozier. Mm-hmm. A crozier. And crozier. few people know a crozier is face outward for a bishop and uh-huh. inward for an abbot. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I'm learning something all the time. Okay, so uh, Mary and Andrea, here's the deal. This is probably the trickiest question of all three, but uh, Adrian says the staff is called a crozier, whereas Janice says the staff is actually just the collar the bishop wears. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary and Andrea, what say you? Jimmy. Adrian. Adrian. I'm getting conflicting feelings here. (laughs) I heard Adrian. (laughs) I think think one said Janice and the other one said Adrian. All I heard was Adrian. (laughs) I I wonder if this is strategy because these ladies are smart. Okay. They're math and science uh, people, so they probably know they're playing both sides to keep their options open. But uh, in fact, it is a crozier. Adrian was correct. A crozier. Can you remember that, Mary and Andrea? Maybe later you can uh, talk to your your friends at school and say, yeah, I was talking about the Bishop's Crozier earlier, you know, and act all casual about it. Your friends are going to be very impressed. Uh, but you are in the cup. Congratulations. How do you feel? Great. Great. Praise be to God. Are you guys uh, ready for question number two? Yeah. yeah. Here, here we go. We're going to go with Adrian this time. Adrian, can you tell me? What is a place called that has been approved by the Vatican, permitting devotion and used for pilgrimages? What do we call such a place? Huh. I would say, you know, you make a pilgrimage, you go to a shrine, right? You travel to shrines. I've been to many. Praise be to God. Mm -hmm. So that's your Mm -hmm. answer is shrine. Yeah, there's actually the shrine of the True Cross near my house. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see what uh, Miss Janice has to say, though. Janice, can you tell mm-hmm. me, what is a place called that has been approved by the Vatican permitting devotion and used for pilgrimages? What do we call that? Uh, we call that a mosque temple. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> little morning allergy there. A mosque temple, you say? Yes. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Mary and Andrea, here's the deal. Uh, Janice says it's called a mosque temple, whereas uh, Adrian says it's called a shrine. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary and Andrea, what say you? Adrian! (laughs) Yeah, survey says... Nailed it. Easy peasy. Mosque. Mosque. Yeah. Mosque. Janice. That's, that's about as wrong as you could get. So there you go. Well done, Janice. Well done. Did I pronounce that wrong? No, no, no that's right. You got it right. right. You, got okay. it right. But it was, you got it right and wrong all the same time. All the same okay. time. Uh, I, I had to go extreme because yeah. it had to be completely. I was going to say temple, but technically it could be a temple. And then I was going to say monastery. But then I was like, well, technically a monastery could be a place of pilgrimage. It ain't easy being wrong. Yeah. But sometimes so you make it look good. So I had to be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mary and Andre, you did not fall for that. I am very proud of both of you. You got that one right. How do you feel so far? You're in for two. Great. 
Praise be to God. Praise be to God. All right. <laughs> Let's see if we can go for the Grand Slam since uh, the Astros are just lost to the Red Sox and they made world history with their Grand Slams. Uh, let's see if we can't go for question number three. We're going to go back to Janice this time. This is super easy. This has got to be the easiest question of all. Uh, Janice, can you tell me, what is a universal symbol of peace carried by the dove returning to Noah's Ark? That would be the olive branch. The olive branch. Mm-hmm. The olive branch is a symbol of peace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's just uh, get a second opinion here. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, what is the universal symbol of peace carried in the beak of the dove returning to Noah's Ark? Returning to the beak of a dove returning to Noah's Ark. Hmm. Symbol of peace, you say? Yes. Yeah, that would be a fig. A fig? Yes. Hmm, like figgy pudding? Not quite like figgy pudding, but I suppose, I mean, I guess figgy pudding is made out of figs, so... Are you, are you opposed to figgy pudding? Uh, mostly. Why do you hate figgy pudding? Figgy I don't like figs, great. that's why. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Mm. All the figs in the whole world. I curse them like Jesus. Yeah. What? What? That's... Yikes. All right, okay. We're getting sidetracked. Mary and Andrea, here's the deal. Okay. Adrian seems to think it's called a fig. Uh-huh. Whereas Janice says it's an olive branch as the universal symbol of peace. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary and Andrea, what say you? Jenny, Jenny. Are you sure? <laughs> Joe trying to trick y'all. <laughs> it was not. I was just wondering if they were uh-huh. sure. Uh-huh. Don't worry, guys. Y'all nailed it. <laughs> Congratulations. Perfect score, Mary and Andrea. You did great, girls. Praise be to God. How do you feel? Wow, that was exciting. That was like a Dave Palmer woohoo at a share I mean, like, wow. Are you guys in first grade, Mary and An- Andrea? Yeah. First grade. How yes. exciting. Well, we're in a language class. Really? We're in a language class. Well, that's fun. Well, here's nice. the deal. We are putting your names into the coffee cup of divine providence three times today. If it be God's will, your names might come out of that cup on Friday morning. So you'll have to tune back in for that. But have a great day at school. God love you both. Thank you again for playing. You were so much fun. We're going to put you on hold so we get your number. But uh, again, have fun at school today. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Praise be to God. We're going to go into what we call the after show live on our video stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, and our very own website, which you can hang out and comment on at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for another round of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the After Show, where we get a lot more casual about our conversation with you. Praise be to God. 
And you, my dear listeners, you get to drive that conversation to whatever you want to talk about. It's completely wide open. All you got to do is comment, and you can steer our conversation. If you've never commented before, well, let me encourage you to be a first-time commenter. We love our first-time commenters. We like to lavish extra attention to you. But make sure you tell us, hey, first time here, and tell us where you're from. Those are important uh, pieces of data that we really enjoy, loving to know where everybody is from. Otherwise, uh, we just sit and chat with the CDT insiders who hang out with us every morning, and we uh, talk about movies and food. That's, it's the backup. That's the backup rule. Although today, I'm curious. Um, I've always been fascinated by people, by the kinds of people who always remember Especially when they're like, they're like my age or older, and they're like, "Yeah, my uh, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Connor," you know, and they, they could remember their teachers' names. I can't remember any. I, I can only remember one teacher's name ever. That's it, Mrs. McCabe, and it's only because she was astute and smart enough to make me the tenth uh, grade uh, uh, history class student of the year, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Recognized in front of you know fifteen hundred of my colleagues. Colleagues, uh, my, my you peers, call your uh, my peers, your fellow students, your colleagues. Uh, well, scholars, we were all scholars, scholars histi- right. historians. I'm sure of which I was the greatest at Brandon High School. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, at Judson High School, the greatest high school on the face of the earth, Judson with the greatest football team ever to field the field the. Uh, uh, to to play the field, right? So, okay, dude. I really messed that up. That's yeah, cool. I mean, you convinced me <laughs> that with that sad. with that articulation of of your school. I'm like, wow, wow. I want my kids to go to school what, there. What is this text from my alma mater? Please don't represent us ever again. <laughs> what, what is that about? <laughs> it's amazing they got the message that quick. <laughs> it's quick. Uh, Jeff Burrier, good morning. Jonah says, let's talk about our favorite Eucharistic miracle. Okay. That's pretty neat. That's pretty. Neat. Before well, we do that, though, yeah. um, question for the audience. Uh, the census fidelium. Have you ever heard of census fidelium before? And if so, tell us about your experience with census fidelium. Sonia said she never heard of census fidelium. I was like, what? I love census fidelium. It's brought so many people to the faith. Amazing sermons. Um, yeah, it's like the best content out there easily. And Genevieve says, I want to help you on the game show. Well, come over Genevieve. We'll have you on. Let's see. Come but on by favorite Eucharistic miracle, Joe. W- hold on. We'll, We'll come back to that. Walter Ramirez, you, are you a brand new commenter, Walter, over on uh, YouTube, over on the GR Inside of YouTube? Praise be to God, Walter. Thanks for hanging out with us today. He says, Alejandra is my mother. Uh, I'm not sure the reference to Alejandra. Me neither. But Walter, we're glad you're here. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Praise be to Jesus. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Let us know, Walter. Did Alejandra? Did we? I'm trying to think. Of, I didn't. I don't remember an uh, Alejandra yeah, reference. reference. But remind us. Oh, we'd love to get it right. Uh, Saint Teresa of Avila. Good to see you. She says she loves Census Fidelium. Praise be to Jesus. Great content. Uh, Tammy. Good morning to you. David Ells. Rubbing it in a little bit this morning over the Red Sox. Hmm. David. 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 You know, David. Did you see Moneyball? Because uh, the Red Sox played a prominent role. In that film. Okay, that's not true. They actually just played a role at the very end of the film. But Moneyball is responsible for breaking the uh, the curse of, the, of Babe Ruth after 80-some-odd years and the Red Sox winning the pennant again. So uh, you can thank – but both teams, both the Red Sox and the Astros play Moneyball. And if you don't know that reference, uh, I talked about 
Friday, I think it was, that I was going to watch Moneyball over the weekend, which I did with my spouse. And even my spouse found the movie interesting, which is pretty cool. Even your spouse. She's not really a, uh, my wife is not really a a movie person. Does that make sense? You know, uh, if you're the kind of person who watches a movie and constantly asks questions because you need to know all the data up front, you're not really a movie person. Okay. You have to let the movie play itself out. You got to pay attention to the to the characters and the plot developments and the twists and the turns. And you you it gets revealed to you slowly over time. You don't need to know everything ahead of time. Um, but my wife's kind of in that category. But she really she thought it was a very fascinating movie too. So there you go. And what's cool is I could play that film on VidAngel filters, taking out the the uh, just a curse words there's a few curse words in the film take that out it becomes a family friendly film I love it so anyway alright so uh, I don't know who Alejandra is Walter Ramirez but if you let us know we would love to uh, talk about that uh, favorite Eucharistic miracles um, I don't know let's see um, there's, there's the there's the, uh, the blood that liquefies uh, once or twice a year that's a pretty cool miracle I used to read the Eucharistic Miracles. I had the book at home, the old one, and I used to read them to my family at dinner time. Um, Lanciano is a pretty famous one. Which, what about you, Adrian? What, what's your favorite Eucharistic Miracles? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't really know the names of the miracles. I'm just familiar with what happened. I know the story, uh, it may be Lanciano, but I'm not sure. It was a story, there was a, a woman who was having issues with her husband. Her husband was yes. cheating on her. Is that Lanciano? No. Oh, okay. But I know the but yeah, story. The, the woman was cheating. Uh, the husband was cheating on his wife, and he was. Uh, he ended up going, she ended up going to a witch doctor yeah. who told her, a, a witch, and told her, uh, help me with my husband. And she said, if you steal a host from the church, then I will, uh, then I will help you with your husband, and your husband will not leave you. Yeah. And so she goes into the church, and she goes to receive communion in her mouth, on the tongue, because back then you couldn't receive communion on the hand. And she receives communion on the tongue, then immediately runs out the door, takes the Eucharist out of her mouth, puts it in her front pocket, and starts running to go see the witch. And as she's running, all of a sudden blood starts pulling in her chest. And she looks down, and, the, uh, and there's blood everywhere, and there's a blood trail leading there. And so she runs home instead and tells her husband, and her and her husband end up having an all-night adoration with the with this blessed sacrament there, realizing what it is. And they end up like fixing their marriage that way, and they ended up calling the priest the next day and bringing the blessed, sacra- blessed sacrament back into the church. And they uh, and now it's still there to this day, and you can just go see it. Uh, I got to go look up where exactly that was, but it was like that's it's just mind blowing to me. Like, but also they realize that. There are evil people really trying to that really hate our Lord and desire a consecrated host, a host that is the body blood of Jesus Christ. They don't want yeah. a piece of bread. They want our Lord and Savior Jesus yeah. Christ. I that's that's part of the Eucharistic miracle stories that I loved was all of the uh all of the occasions when like for instance there was a story of even a donkey giving adoration to a to a host that was hidden in a barn, you know, uh by the person who stole the hose and and um, just those kinds of stories blow me away. They're just amazing. Who Praise was, be to God. Who was the saint who, um, I can't remember who it was. He was debating with Protestants about the Blessed Sacrament. And he was like, uh, he goes, all right, even the animals 
recognize the blessed sacrament right. and you protestants don't and so he holds up the eucharist and there was like a, a wager i can't remember the details of it but there was like a wager and he goes okay watch this and he pulls out the blessed sacrament and he holds it up and all the animals come before the blessed sacrament and start kneeling and he goes even the animals yeah. recognize the sac- cool. blessed sacrament and How you cool don't come on man i know it it's true i have no idea um I love it. Lanciano says uh, Jonah. Lanciano is their favorite uh, miracle. John says the miracle of Lanciano is my favorite. My wife and I have visited there. Oh, wow. That's super cool. It's in a small church. You can literally touch the glass of the container that holds the coveted host. So awesome. Yeah, amazing. And what's cool about Lanciano is they've tested it, and it's the, the, uh, the, the flesh is of the inner heart valve and uh, always the same blood type. And all the Eucharistic miracles, which matches the blood type from the Shroud of Turin, too. Super cool. Uh, Janice, any favorite Eucharistic miracles? Oh, I feel like I have many. Um, my mom was, um, like you mentioned, how you read stories of uh, Eucharistic miracles. My mom, actually growing up, would read us stories about Eucharistic miracles every night. Um, so my mom, um, she's a very devout um, Catholic woman, and she would read us stories and um we would watch movies um, like Marcellino. 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 That's like a, a great film. Yeah, that movie was amazing. Raise I it, loved number that of, one. Raise your hands. How many people have seen Mar- Marcellino? Marcellino. He's a, he was a Mexican little boy, right? Marcellino Panivino. Yeah, or he was Italian. Yes. He's an Italian orphan raised yes. by monks, by friars. And it's a cool black and white film for the family. If you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ought to go watch it. It's cool. Yeah, that's a great movie. And Marcellino Panivino. And I also watched the uh, the cartoon. Do you know that cartoon movie of the Eucharist? I can't remember. Eucharistic wow. Miracles. It was like an animated version of the Eucharist. It was very interesting. I watched it when I was in high school, but um, I really loved it. I, I used to I used to show it to my my kids when I used to teach at catechism first when I taught first communion classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had I had all my first communion students watch that, um, and they loved it. That's yeah, cool. That's a really good movie too. And, um, well, I have, I mean, there's a lot of stories, but one, I mean, one in my own personal family that it's more intimate, mm-hmm. my dad, um, my dad was, uh, kind of agnostic growing up. And I remember he didn't really have a lot of faith and he would not, uh, he was, he was not like the spiritual leader in my family, unfortunately. And so, um, praise God, he, he's come a long way now, but, um, Amen. growing up, I remember, um, my dad had my dad had a lot of doubts about the Catholic faith and about the presence of the Eucharist, and it's interesting because he told he told us a story uh, after he had you know come uh, had had a reversion to the faith, but he said that when he was um, in his early thirties that he went to mass one day and he didn't he didn't believe in the the real presence of Jesus, but but he asked God for a miracle. He said give me a miracle like i i i'm i'm a he, like he's a doubting thomas you know he's a he didn't believe at the time and um he said that at the time when he received the eucharist um the body converted into real flesh in his mouth but he never he never told anyone because he he was still in awe of the experience that he had it wasn't until like 10 20 years later that he finally shared with the family 
Yeah. Um, but it was something that was intimate. It was an intimate experience that he had with God. Uh, and I've actually heard a lot of stories like that where people receive the Eucharist and then the Eucharist converts into like actual flesh. But yeah. the people that receive that gift uh, are usually doubt, like doubting people or they have, they struggle with faith in God. And um, I find that they actually never tell people. They, they keep it to themselves. And I it's, would. And it's not until so like you're later that on. I should start doubting so I can have this miracle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably a bad strategy, but okay. You know, a lot of the miracle stories, too, uh, were of priests who mm. were doubting uh, what, you know, the, the doctrine of the Holy Eucharist and transubstantiation and, and what a gift that the Lord would give to them to shore up their faith would be a miracle that would change their lives forever. I mean, that's, think about that. How many people live in doubt every day and how the Lord doesn't give them such incredible miracle, but... To those that he does, it's it's amazing. I mean, that would be what a lifesaver. It's like throwing a lifeline, mm-hmm. you know, um, before it's too late. It's pretty pretty impressive. I did link. I'm going to link to the book um, that's published by Tan on the Eucharistic miracles. It's Which very, our buddy, very um, good book. Our buddy uh, Steve also works for Tan. Yep. Yeah. But uh, oh, mm-hmm. that reminds me. Speaking of. Uh, since it's Fidelium, Sonia, not Sonia, who's, let's see, let me go back and try to find the comment. Uh, let's see, do, 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 someone, Mary Barone, she said, thank you, Adrian, in my community formation, Carmelite, we studied Holy Mother Teresa in depth, but never learned details about St. Peter, other than the fact that he was her confessor and some of the things he told or taught her. I will definitely share this with my secular community. Um, if you go to Census Fidelium right now, I just happen to stumble across this right now. They just put out a 10 minute video on St. Peter of Alicantara. So there you go. If you want to uh, learn more about him, Census Fidelium just has, it just put out a video. Uh, their saint of the day is pretty solid. They do a, do a good job of having stuff every day for all sorts of things. Yeah. So I'm going to link it right here. Uh, but yeah, check, check it out. Census Fidelium. If you've never been on Census Fidelium, you just go through and just browse through their like immense levels of content. There's stuff for everything. The other cool thing, so when you're on when you're on YouTube on a desktop computer, it's easier than on a mobile device. It still works on mobile, but it's easier on a desktop in the sense that if you're looking for something specific, go onto a desktop computer, your laptop or whatever. And go to YouTube, go to Census Fidelium's channel, and on their channel, you'll see, let me just, uh, let me make sure I, I say this correctly. Um, there, there's, a, there's a way to search the channel specifically, so you can narrow your search to just that channel. Um, it, on the YouTubes, on their channel, you'll see a home, video, playlist, community, channels, about, and then next to, right to the right of the about, is an, uh, a little... Uh, magnifying glass you click that and whatever you type into that search field not the main one of youtube but this one in particular it'll only search this channel and so since they have five thousand videos if you're looking for something very specific like for instance eucharistic miracles or a particular saint or or whatever it'll only bring you results from the channel which is great so this is a nice way to go through their immense back catalog and find very cool stuff. By the way, I, I, I built a playlist on Our Lady of Revelation. It's a nine-part uh, series, but it's like it actually equates to like 12 videos or something. 
uh, 12-hour-long lectures from Father Wolf, Father Philip Wolf of the FSSP, on Our Lady of Revelation, which is fantastic. Most people have never even heard of Our Lady of Revelation. Most people didn't even know that the miracle of the sun, which happened on October 13th, 1917, also happened more than once over the skies of Rome. Pope Pius XII personally witnessed it. Uh, and is linked to Our Lady Revelation. Fantastic story of the conversion, the miraculous conversion of, of Bruno, uh, who wanted to murder the Pope. Fat, fantastic story. Highly recommend it. It's got a lot of great content in this series, especially uh, as it pertains to Our Lady Fatima. And Father Wolf is amazing. Um, and I, I sent that playlist over to our CDT insiders on the email list, and then YouTube deleted it. <laughs> And brought it back, but yesterday I resent the email with links to the BitChute versions. So now you'll have both since it's since since Fidelium is back up. You'll have both. Praise be to God. Highly recommend it. Buddy says, "Where did the idea or belief of the Pope in the Catholic Church is evil and the horror of Babylon and Rome?" I was in argument this weekend. I told them I was Catholic. Then I was given all this anti-Catholic rhetoric. They would not would not listen to reason. Yeah, that's. That's an old argument from the Protestants. It comes yeah. from Luther himself. Right. Luther was very, like, the church is the whore of Babylon. The Pope was evil. The Pope was the Antichrist. It's all uh, Zwingli. Uh, they all said these things. Uh, Luther specifically would draw cartoons of the papal tiara as a turd and put it on his head. Yeah. Like, he was a very gross man. Um, and so yeah, it's a very old accusations from, from the Protestants. And uh, honestly, it's hard to reason with people that ha- just have this idea that's not backed by facts. So what I would do in that situation is just ask questions. Why do you think that? Well, where do you find that information from? And just start asking questions because ultimately these ideas are not rooted anywhere. Once you start getting in, they're like, oh, we did the seven hills. And it's like, that. it's not, it's not Rome. That doesn't describe uh, the Holy Roman Empire. That, that describes uh, more Jerusalem. Of Jerusalem, exactly. And so, or, or Cologne, the, Germany has seven hills, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. But the, uh, and then the Pope is the evil. I mean, so it's, it's, it's whack. It's an idea. It's like, okay, show me in scripture where it says the Pope is evil. Waiting. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. Uh, yeah. So these ideas are not rooted in scripture. They're rooted in their tradition and their, it's their man-made tradition that they, and I, and I like to hammer that point whenever I talk to Protestants, we, I always hammer the fact that they are relying on man-made tradition. So for instance, when I'm debating with Protestants on, uh, on faith alone, things like this, I, you always go back to this point. I'm like, look, you have this passage. I have this passage. I, you have this passage. I have this passage. We keep going back and forth. And ultimately, you are relying on the interpretation of your tradition, your traditions of man. And I always hammer the point that the Protestants are relying on the traditions of man. And one of the key examples of this that I always give is Martin Luther. Martin Luther changed Holy Writ, changed it whenever he was reading Romans uh, because he changed it to, to read more in line with his theology. Instead of saying uh, you are justified by faith apart from works of the law, he said you, he added the word alone. He said you are justified by faith alone apart from works of the law. And whenever he was, uh, he was brought up a charge against this, he said uh, if the papist start t- asking you why he did this, say because Dr. Luther would have it so. And then later Lutherans argued, oh, well, you know, it's a, it was a, it was, he was getting the meaning behind it. He was, uh, that was, that's what Paul meant. And so even in reading the translation of the Bible, if you're not going, if these Protestants are not going back 
to the Greek and back to the Hebrew, they're relying on a translation, which is a tradition. So it, it's it's oh it's a bunch of nonsense is what it is. I'm just I'm linking right now to a video that I recorded when I was uh, back when I was running conferences, Catholic evangelization conferences, and I used to hire Dr. Hahn and Petrie and Barber and Bergsman, all those guys, all the time. Well, there's a great little snippet from a talk from from Petrie on the horror of Babylon, and I'm linking to that video right now in the comments. Um, I think it's great. You're going to love it. <clears throat> Tammy says, every time I receive the precious blood, the burn of the alcohol properties stops at my heart region. The burn does not go all the way down like it does when you drink alcohol. That's interesting. I've never had that sensation. <clears throat> Josh says, I heard a story of a priest who was doubting the true presence. And then during the elevation of the host at mass, the host turned into bloody flesh. I love those stories. Those are cool. Have you guys heard of a, a lady named Catalina Rivas? No. Have you? Um, she's she's from Mexico, and um, she's received like um, so. It's not like you don't have. It's like a she's she's written a book called the whole the Holy Mass Explained. Um, oh and, yeah, yeah. Uh, she kind of I guess like is considered a mystic, and she has like her uh, she has a, a approval from her bishop. Uh, Ferna uh, Rene Fernandez from Mex uh, Yucatan, Mexico, and she basically um, in her and and I guess because she's like a mystic or she's uh, she's she's been able to like see things or or, or um, I mean I don't know what you would call her specifically and I don't know if she's like officially approved, but I I um, my mom uh, shared her books with me growing up and um, it really left a, a a big impression and like a deeper reverence for the mass and she basically explains the transcendental realities that happen in the mass but um she wrote a book called the holy mass explained and in it she shares like her mystical experiences and it's and it's a it's it's under the guidance of her bishop so um i she's not she's not widely known because she's again she's from mexico so i don't i don't think she has translated everything into english but most of her stuff is in Spanish. That's fascinating. Really good. Not familiar with her. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm. I'm just automatically skeptical because it's. Uh, it's. It was in 1993, and I'm just skeptical. That's all. I'd be curious. They uh, made. When more they made. Come out about they it. made a movie out of her writings. Um, the the Eucharistic miracle movie or oh. the greatest miracle. Or something like Speaking that. Speaking of the Eucharistic remember. Miracle movie, they're, they've they put out a call for extras to come help them film a few scenes. And I uh, saw that. that. That'd be pretty cool to participate yeah, in. If you're in yeah. the California area or willing to fly out there, yeah. Yeah. I would highly recommend. Bud Grant. Praise be to God. Are you a first-time commenter, Bud? Is Bud Grant a first-time commenter? He says, I love all the Eucharistic Miracles. Can't wait for the Eucharistic Miracles movie. Yay and amen, Bud. Praise be to God. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you for your comment. We're very grateful to you today. We love our first-time commenters. Praise be to Jesus. Where are you from, bud? Let us know. We love, and by the way, Mary McCoach says she loved the movie. I'm guessing she means uh, Marcellino Panivino. Great film. Great film. How many people have seen it? Marcellino Panivino. Great film. Estella uh, Watts is hanging out with us today. Hello, Grandma. Praise be to God. It's my grandma, not your grandma. Yeah, it's your grandma. My, me. my grandma too by the way uh does does that mean she gets to cook for us does your grandma mm. cook for you does, does grandma cook for you no not usually 
Uh, that's part of grandma's job, is it not? Is to is to feed the feed the grandkids. Lots and lots and lots and lots of food. I'm only on holidays. Oh, coming over for holidays then. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me know when you get the invite. It's in the mail. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it is. I'm sure it is. Uh, Sonia, she says she's off to work. Learned a, learned a lot this morning. Have a blessed day. Praise be to God. Have a great day, Sonia. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Very grateful to you. Christopher Chan says, a mystic sees things as they truly are. Based on your story, I would call her a mystic. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, David Magianis just walked in, by the way. Uh, Christopher Chance also says, I was willing to fly out until I heard it was in California. <laughs> Not sure that I'm, I'm that committed. <laughs> yeah. Ouch, Christopher. That's a... California whoo. man. Enchiladas. See what I'm saying, Lori? That's what I'm talking about. Enchiladas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, enchiladas. I, I also think yummy. mainstream media blows up how strict california is yeah like i think the the mm-hmm. the legal the legal laws can be like super hyped up but yeah when i went in may um i was also thinking like oh everyone's gonna be wearing masks everyone's <laughs> gonna be like super liberal but i i found i find that people people you just like just i don't know i i find i was not wearing a mask going to i was just in california a couple of weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad. There were no masks. Everybody was fine. I'm, okay, it's technically it was Austin, Texas, uh, but since everybody from California moved there, uh-huh. it's essentially California now. And it wasn't that That's bad. True. Wasn't that bad. Wasn't mm-hmm. that bad. Um, and we're worried about the flights. Yeah, that's true too. The uh, the flight uh, last week. Last week we reported quite a bit on the uh, the drama surrounding mag- vaccine mandates and pilots that were. Uh, on the down low, apparently protesting the vaccine mandates, and those were causing major backups. I have no idea where we're at today, though. I know Delta announced that they're not going to pursue the mandate. Um, they're going to go about it differently. They're not going to go through the divisiveness, according to the CEO. Uh, but I don't know where it stands now. Have they caught up? Are they back to normal? Is it still going on? I'm not even sure. I haven't seen a single story about it this week so far, other than the Delta Airlines thing. Yeah, I sort John! Of- Gotta go. God bless. God bless you too, John. Thanks for hanging out. I looked up uh, Catalina, and yeah, I'm getting a lot of super sketch things. Apparently, she was thrice married, um, and she said thrice married. What does that mean? She was married three times. Oh. Um, Mm -hmm. And apparently, she also had some pretty sketchy things that she said about the angels and her and her visions. She had uh, sketchy things going on there. And apparently she uh, she had some weird visions where uh, our Lord would, would use very worldly language, like very uh, modern idioms, like um, do not cry over spilt milk or my cucarachita, which is like my little cockroach, which is a weird uh, Mexican expression. Um, yeah, apparently they have a lot of... A lot of strange things. That is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be it's called like, a cockroach by, by anybody. By God. <laughs> Especially by our Lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, kind of weird. Uh, I'd be automatically skeptical of it. Weber's World. Uh, thanks for chiming in today. He says, love the series. Thank you for that. He's talking about the Our Lady Revelation series that I sent to the CDT Insiders. He's uh, Weber's World. hanging out with us along with Mike and Sci-Fi Mike. Uh, over on uh, Odyssey today. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us on Odyssey, by the way. Praise be to God. 
What what bothered me on the news? I saw the I saw a headline the other day that said Fauci said if yeah. you're not vaccinated, then you can't enjoy Christmas or something. No, about like- he spun it positive. He didn't spun it negative. He said the fully vaccinated get to enjoy Christmas together. Yeah. Enjoy your Christmas. I will be enjoying Christmas. Which is funny because anyway. isn't that amazing? Christmas is not now, Christmas is a religious celeb. It's a religious no, feast. No, 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 Janice. I, it well, is not. How can you? What? <laughs> You're so judgmental. Okay, listen. People can celebrate Christmas however they wish. Okay, just ask Walmart. They've already begun the process of celebrating Christmas. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazon. They sent us a Christmas catalog this year. Uh, they did? They yeah, did? my kids have already marked it up. I, I didn't realize you know. Amazon gave catalogs. I yeah, didn't either until I saw my kids salivating over every toy possible. You know, which, by the way, when I was a kid, ooh, I used to tear up my grandmother's <laughs> JCPenney catalog. Whoa, boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sears, Robux, and JCPenney's. I love those Sears? catalogs. What's Sears? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you talk is about Sears being still old. around? Um, yes. Sears is still around. Mm. It's just not the Sears it was when I was a kid. That's all. It's pretty yeah. small nowadays. Um, but man, those were the good old days. But yeah, uh, Christmas is is apparently the uh, the marketing mecca of of the world, the modern world today. So Fauci is all on board for having Christmas celebrations, provided that you are fully vaccinated. Could you imagine? I mean, just I was thinking about that this morning, driving in, and you know, Texas for the most part feels pretty normal i mean you do see signs of course here and there but generally speaking in houston texas where we live is a very liberal city um very liberal city and still it feels fairly normal in behavior and life and then you hear you see the reports of you know the the drama related to the vaccine the pandemic and you're just like this is this is not in keeping with what i see in front of me with my own eyes it just they aren't these things aren't aren't in line they're on two different pages. It's crazy. Josh Patterson says Walmart, Costco, and some others have chartered their own cargo ships to get around <laughs> the packed up ports. That's really? Amazing. That is funny. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna beach them in Corpus Christi and start offloading. That's gonna be hilarious. Anyway, God bless you, God love you. Thanks for hanging out again today. We always enjoy our casual conversation on the after show. 